Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Community Connections. I'm your host, Cole Warner, joined by Emily Thomas. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for listening. Yeah, this week's episode, uh, we're going to talk with Dr. Lindsay Brown McCormick. She is a a psychotherapist and clinical uh, supervisor with Rivers and Roads Psychotherapy. And uh, she's going to come on today and talk about um, the body and brain's response to trauma and traumatic events and uh, sort of make this relevant to kind of what we've been going through in terms of the pandemic and dealing with all the stressors that come with that, as well as our response um, during times of, of grief. And uh, a little bit about uh, Dr. Lindsay, she's been in practice for over eight years and um, she has a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in counseling from Eastern Kentucky University and received her PhD in counselor education from the University of the Cumberlands. And thank you for joining us, Dr. Lindsay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we can just go ahead and and get right into uh, what we were discussing today. And and so I'd like to ask you first to just tell us a little bit about you know, sort of the the body and the brain's response to traumatic events, um, such as what we've dealt with over the last year, um, as well as um, grief and loss? Sure. Uh, So the brain-body connection is a lot more intense than people think and people realize. And sometimes even when it comes to trauma um, and traumatic things that our bodies have experienced. Uh, Sometimes we can respond in ways that uh, don't necessarily make sense to us, um, but they make sense to our brain and the way our brain's operating. So generally when we experience something like a traumatic event, uh, we uh, have things that happen to us, like experiencing uh, heightened senses, heightened um, sense of awareness, which we would call hyperarousal, or um, having things like traumatic memories, uh, flashbacks, um, having real easy startle response, um, things of that nature. And so sometimes, uh, when we experience that trauma- those traumatic events, our brain doesn't always uh, store, uh, for lack of a better word, store um, those memories the way it should. And so when that happens, that's generally what causes that trauma response. Um, it comes from much more of a rational or an irrational, excuse me an irrational uh, brain response and um, brain function than it does with more like rational thinking or cognitive reasoning. I imagine that that when you talk about sort of like the irrational response, I can imagine that that is a uh, sort of scary experience for the person actually, you know, going through that um, when, you know, you're having that, either what you mentioned like hyper arousal or, or that increased sense of awareness or um, some of the other things like not being able to, you know, sort of process or some people say wrap their head around, right. Um, what's going on. What, how are people, that's gotta be just a scary, uh, scary feeling and, and a confusing feeling. Absolutely. 
And I think for a lot of people, the uh, people that I've worked with um, in the past who have um, what we would term or call complex PTSD or complex trauma, uh, there can almost be these like feelings of like having an out-of-body experience that happens very, very regularly. Um, just feeling like you don't have control over your own body, feeling like you're seeing everything through a fog, um, not even being able to recognize yourself in the mirror sometimes. Um, and everyone does, does, uh, does that has that little bit of connection. Every time you space out, uh, you have a sort of similar situation, but when you've experienced so much trauma, when you've, um, had so many traumatic events that have happened in your life. Oftentimes we, that brain body connection gets pulled really far apart. And that's when we have those episodes of depersonalization, derealization, um, and full bone disassociation. I know you mentioned complex trauma and what you were just talking about, but I think a lot of people and myself included like the term trauma is thrown around a lot. And like, what mm -hmm. are the different types of trauma and like the different places they can come, it can come from um, that maybe we don't always consider or think about when we're talking about it. Sure. Um, oftentimes when I sit down with someone, a client for the first time, I ask about trauma um, and what sort of experiences that they've had that they would consider to be traumatic. And I'm often asked, you know, well, what does that even mean? What is trauma really? Or what does that even look like? So when we think about different types of trauma, what trauma is, what that means, uh, really, uh, there are things that we experience like car accidents uh, or interpersonal violence or a global pandemic. Uh, which would all be considered traumatic experiences. But really, um, in thinking about trauma and what trauma is, trauma can be anything, any sort of event that has happened in your life that causes you sort of some sort of distress um, and dis-ease um, within your own life. So really, any type of experience could be considered traumatic. You, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, like things happening, um, having you ask clients, you know, if, if they've had quite a few things happen to them, would you say that um, some of these things can build on each other? Some of these traumatic events, you know, we talk, we have a lot of people in our community, right? If, if you had the pandemic and then you have a loss, right? That feels like it builds on each other. How does that play into, we're talking about someone's traumatic experiences? Yeah, so all of those things can definitely pile on top of each other, uh, especially if you've had something like a global pandemic and then you've experienced uh, a loss, uh, maybe even loss due to the pandemic. Um, those are, those definitely uh, can pile on top of one another and when we're not able to process uh, these, those traumas 
when they happen or when they occur or not able to store them um, in a way that helps us make sense of what happened to them or what happened um, during them, uh, it can create more problems, more problems associated with symptoms. Um, and that's where when we hear the term, when we use the term like complex PTSD, that's generally where complex PTSD comes in. It's from multiple traumas that have been repressed or never been like truly dealt with, um, or the brain just hasn't had a good way of storing that particular memory or making sense of that particular memory. So, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that have had these experiences. What are some of the ways that you um, or you at your practice kind of work on starting the healing process or like how do you guys, can you kind of walk us through what you guys do and techniques that you use to, to start healing? Sure. Well, one thing I'm really, uh, I really find a lot of um, good work in with clients is providing a sense of empowerment uh, because I think a lot of times, a lot of clients that I work with, um, when they have experienced traumatic events, there is a sense of power and identity that is taken away from them. Um, and so being able to uh, bring that empowerment into therapeutic space um, and help to foster some of that growth um, is a great way to start healing and to start getting people to feel a little bit whole again. Um, also just being able to hold space in a place where they're able to talk about it if they want to talk about it um, can be very healing and very therapeutic. Um, and in terms of techniques, um, there's a few techniques that I use with uh, several clients. Um, but one that I am particularly passionate about is EMDR therapy, uh, which stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Can you elaborate a little more on what that is? Because I've heard of that before, but I really have no idea what it means. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people would like to hear what that what that's all about. Absolutely. Uh, so as I said, EMDR therapy stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So it's a type of uh, cognitive therapy that uses things like eye movements, like the name implies, um, tapping back and forth, and even haptic sound. So left-right uh, sound back and forth to help the brain uh, process previous traumatic memories that haven't been stored properly, so to speak. Um, and it helps these uh, providing things like eye movements and tapping allow the left brain and the right brain to create new neural pathways between one another um, and allows the brain to make a little more sense of these traumas that haven't been stored in the right way or traumas that are still like caught up in our muscle memory and our body movement and so on. 
you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, sort of empowering the, the client and, and holding a space for them and using these different techniques. Would you say that for a lot of people that you're the first person they're really discussing or exploring some of these things with? Sometimes, yes. Uh, there are several clients, because I see all different types of traumas, uh, there are some clients who come to me and I might be the first person that they've ever told about, uh, you know, childhood sexual abuse, or um, they may have had a particularly uh, traumatic experience um, with a former friend um, that they've never really told anyone about. So, yeah, and that can be a a, a, lot, a heavy weight to carry um, for sure um, as a clinician, but it often feels there's so much of once they finally are able to talk, once they are finally to able feel or to feel like they're able to be in a space where they feel supported, where they feel comfort, um, and can be open about that experience. Uh, So many times it's almost like that weight is lifted off of them. I know that you've mentioned a lot um, throughout this so far about how what's going on in your mind affects your body. And I think way too many people don't realize just how connected those are. So can you explain a little bit about like the, the physical effects of holding on to that and not processing what's what's happened to you and just how that affects your physical health. Absolutely. Um, there is a significant brain body connection that sometimes we aren't always cognizant of. Uh, I think about often when you have a child who experiences anxiety Sometimes they can't always vocalize that they feel anxious, but they can tell you they have a tummy ache or that they feel scared um, or something along those lines. So they, they're in tune with their body enough to be able to tell that this isn't there, that something is wrong, but maybe don't have the ability to be able to connect that, you know, my belly hurts because I'm feeling anxious. Um, And trauma can very much be in the same realm. There's a lot of studies that have come out here in the last 10, maybe even 20 years with the increase in clinical or um, medical diagnoses like fibromyalgia, for example. Um, Fibromyalgia is generally not in every case, but in almost every uh, trauma case I've looked at and worked in, um, fibromyalgia is there. So there's a big connection between uh, chronic fatigue and chronic pain and previous trauma. And not even, even further than that, there's even been clinical studies that have shown that post-traumatic stress disorder has the ability to um, suppress our immune systems. 
it has the ability to like cause, um, I know for myself personally, um, my physical health, uh, significantly decreased after I had my own traumatic experience a few years back. And that was the, that was when I was first diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, and I was, I was 29 years old at the time. And so there's definitely, there's definitely a link between, um, that physical health and our mental health, um, that especially, especially is there when it comes to traumatic experiences. When, um, and some of those things you probably don't even realize, right. That they can be linked, right. For most people, if they just experience, you know, a medical or a physical issue, they don't realize, um, how that can be connected to, you know, um, you know, environmental factors going on in their life. Uh, if people who've maybe had a loss, um, and, and whether that's a, tra- we consider it to be a quote unquote traumatic loss or just a, you know, a, you know, a death of a close loved one, what would you say to them in terms of recognizing some of those more traumatic, um, responses from their body compared to what is a normal grief process? So I think when we're thinking about, um, traumatic grief, traumatic grief is when we look at symptoms or signs, I often think about traumatic grief in when we're thinking about the stages of grief and the different stages people move through of grief. Um, I work with a lot of people who get stuck in that, uh, maybe even get stuck in the anger uh, stage of grief, um, who have a hard time uh, rationalizing or making sense of making some meaning out of what happened or what uh, sort of transpired within this death, or maybe it happened so quickly, everything happened so suddenly that it feels like there wasn't any time to process what was going on. Um, But uh, yeah, going back to the stages of grief, uh, generally, like I said, when I think about people who are uh, struggling with traumatic grief, there's a lot of anger. There's still a lot of anger that's held up in that. Um, so yeah, that's one thing that I certainly identify with traumatic grief. Thank you, Lindsay, for, uh, explaining, um, sort of how the mind and the body are so connected and hopefully we can be, hopefully that can bring some awareness and some understanding to things that are, that people are experiencing. Um, having gone through the pandemic with, um, with all of us here and and that we all have in this country, in this community, would you say that the, um, increase that there's going to be an increase in the amount of people feeling um, some of the symptoms of, of uh, you know, the body's response to trauma. Do you see that being something that um, people are going to want to address here? Um, and as we start to get back to a quote unquote normal, I think so. Um, I think I've seen it a lot, even in my own practice in the last year uh, going on now because everything, when 
we all, when all of this started, everything happened so quickly, so suddenly. Um, and even clients, friends, uh, supervisees here recently, we've all had a lot of conversations about, you know, I remember where I was when we were told we were locked down, like we were getting locked down. And so I think that there is going to be a lot of people, if they haven't already had some of those uh, trauma response symptoms, that it's going to continue to happen um, or it's going to, yeah, it's going to continue to happen. We are, we are all, all of us are experiencing COVID fatigue, right? Because we want this to be over. We want things to be done. We want to get back to normal and there's been a lot of us who have had to grieve loved ones that we've lost, um, even had to grieve the fact that for many people, our only interaction has been through screens. And we're social, we are social beings. Uh, humans are social creatures. So while things like screens, Zooms, FaceTimes have been helpful, they don't make up for the traumatic loss of human connection that we have experienced in a lot of ways. So yeah, there's, um, I, in my own clinical practice over the last year, I have never seen the amount of people reaching out for therapy that I have, um, since I started working, uh, eight years ago and just the amount of receptiveness to mental health care too in the last year has been incredible absolutely incredible I think that makes complete sense I mean it's almost been like a collective trauma for every I mean it's impacted everybody and I want to say it was funny when you said it but I guess funny is not the right word but like where were you when you found out that this was how you know, we were going into lockdown and everything was going to change. And I hadn't thought about that. But when you said it, I I remember listening to a podcast and finding out like what was happening. And like, that's just such a scary thing to think about. And it's something that we all universally experience. So that makes, makes perfect sense that more people are reaching out. And I guess that's a positive thing to come from it. You know, people are more receptive, but I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And for those that um, are listening that maybe could uh, identify or relate with some of the stuff that we've talked about today and are hesitant to, to reach out and, and talk with somebody, um, what would you say, Dr. Lindsay, to encourage people to make their mental health a priority? I would say that our mental health is just as important as our physical health. Uh, I oftentimes think about, you know, the analogy of if you had a broke arm, you'd go to the hospital, you'd go to the doctor, you'd take care of that. Um, And the same is very true with our mental health. You know, when we're experiencing things like depression or anxiety or traumatic grief, uh, the idea is not to power through. There are people out there that can help you um, get through that, that can give you tools and skills and um, resources to help you 
I always say go from surviving to thriving, uh, because I think that's a really important piece. Uh, so many of us have lived in survival mode for the last year um, and have buried ourselves in work or um, new hobbies, something, anything that would distract us from what's going on um, outside and or even in the, you know, the social sociopolitical space. So, um, yeah, I think our, our mental health is just as important to take care of as our physical health. And sometimes it takes an extra person. It takes a healer. It takes a doctor. It takes a therapist um, to get you back into that space where you feel good again. Well, I, uh, you know, really appreciate you coming on today. I think um, there's been a lot of good information about uh, some of the traumatic experiences that we've all gone to, as Emily said, as a collective traumatic experience. And it really speaks to, I know, um, listeners of this um, podcast and those that have that deal in sort of the work that we do in, in hospice and long-term care and life-limiting illness and such, um, feeling some of those stressors pile on. And hopefully this is something that um, people can relate with. So again, thank you, Lindsay, um, for uh, coming on with us today. Thanks again for having me. And if you like today's episode, please rate, review, subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm.